Hey, Jen, welcome to Drinking with Jen, or if you're coming back, welcome back. I am Jenny Preem, your host of Drinking with Jen, and I am a speaker, an author, obviously, like I said, your host here of Drinking with Jen, and I'm also a life coach at the master level. If this is your first time here, I'm so glad that you're here, and if you've been around a while, I have been promising you an incredible lineup of guests here in season two, and I am delivering. Typically, I either bring on guests that are experts in a certain field that can really bring credible and reliable information to support the topics that we talk about here. And then sometimes I bring on guests who share their inspiring stories of overcoming adversity, trauma, difficulties, and finding new and better ways of life, maybe finding their purpose. Well, today's guest is unique because he is bringing a little bit of both. Today, I have Dr. Gregory Buford, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, but I'm going to put his full bio in the show notes so that you can read all of the juicy information about his credentials because they are impressive. So Dr. Buford is a board-certified plastic surgeon and nationally recognized master facial injectables trainer. So I know him from my almost two decades of working in the medical aesthetic space, and it's so fun to kind of have that nod back to the industry. He's also the founder of Core Aesthetics Training Institute, which is a nationally recognized organization responsible for training medical professionals in the safe and effective use of facial injectables, as well as the founder of Core Aesthetics Consulting. I mean, he has been recognized in Vogue, E-Online, ABC News, Fox News, E-Medicine, well-published. He has multiple books. So not only is he a plastic surgeon, a board-certified plastic surgeon, I should say, he's also an author like me, which is so fun that we have that in common. Um, We are going to dive a little bit today into his book, Eat, Drink, Heal, because that really falls into the nurture category of Gin Path, which is my coaching model that I have in my newest book, which is called I'm My Favorite. Um, One that he has, which I love the name, is called The Boob Job Bible. His books are available on Amazon, and I will post links to those in the show notes so that you can grab those directly from Amazon so that you can grab your own copies. And his education is incredible. He went to Georgetown. Uh, He was at the Cleveland Clinic doing residencies in both general surgery, plastic and reconstructive, plastic and reconstructive surgery. I mean, it it is just, he is a gem. And that's why he's here today with us. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. His energy is incredible. I brought him on the show because he is going to talk to us about failing forward And I love his passion, his authenticity, his vulnerability, his humility. You are going to love this conversation. And so I'm going to shut up now and let you enjoy. Oh my gosh, Dr. Buford, thank you so much for being here today. I've been so looking forward to this conversation. I'm really excited. It is such a pleasure. Long time no see, but uh, (laughs) I've known each other for a while, but It is a true honor to be on your podcast. So thank you for having me on. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've been, like I said, I've been looking forward to this. It's been a long time coming. Um, And I have so many things I want to say, but before I forget, we always start on drinking with gin. Uh, What are you drinking? Are you drinking anything today? So I had one cup of coffee and I think I'm orbiting right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm limiting it to one cup. So I'm really excited today. Flavored water, mango Mm -hmm. water. 
So that's really for all you people who want to get hydrated, mango water. It's awesome. I love it. Well, I am, and I usually try to be somewhat intentional about what I'm drinking. I am drinking a cold brew today because you have so much energy. I'm, we were emailing as we were talking about coordinating things earlier this week. And I have this saying about busy people. And I always say that busy people don't talk about how busy they are because they're too busy being busy to talk about how busy they are. And I feel like you're one of those people you do so much. And so I just I felt like I needed a little bit of this boost of caffeine to be able to keep up with you and all of your energy and all of the things that you accomplish. So thank you. So this is fun, a, a really fun little nod to, you know, for people that don't know, uh, before I did this, before I was an inspirational and keynote speaker and an author and a podcast host and a life coach, I spent nearly two decades in the medical aesthetics industry. And that's how we met. And we spent some time together. And I feel like the the people that I've stayed connected with, I feel like have a really common theme um, of not just integrity, but also humility and kindness. And you're one of those people that I've stayed in touch with from the aesthetics industry, because I think that you really embody those things. And that's why people are drawn to you and you welcome people into kind of your orbit. And you have that like just very human component. And that's why I'm really excited about this conversation today, because, you know, on drinking with gin and a lot of what I talk about, it's overcoming struggles and finding new way and meaning and coming out even better on the other side of really difficult times. And I think we need to hear more from male voices too. And you know, people from the outside might watch you and see how wildly successful you are, but that didn't happen overnight. And the fact that you're being willing and open to talk to us today about some of the struggles that you've had in building your incredibly successful business. I'm just, I'm really grateful. So I wanted to set it up with that today. Um, so let's start there. Uh, how long ago did you start your business and maybe talk to us about how it, you know, the, the road that you traveled to get to where you are today, the path, I should say, cause it's gin path, of course, the path that you traveled. Uh, I, I ask you, I guess, which business I, I run a, I run a few businesses. So, because I don't, I don't really sleep, but uh, I guess as a plastic surgeon, you know, I always, I always have to laugh about this because I've been doing this for about 21 years and I still like, feel like the new kid on the block. And then when I get juniors coming out, you know, new physicians or, you know, new people in industry and they're like, Oh, I'd love to meet you. Can I, can I, can you tell me something about, you know, how you've gotten to where you are and so forth. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I have been doing this for a little while. So been doing this for about uh, a little over two decades. I absolutely love what I do. Um, you know, one thing that I, I will point out, um, I think this is very, very, very important. I just saw a special the other night uh, on Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you haven't seen it, uh, I mean, the guy, everybody think of Arnold as, you know, uh, you know, pumping me up and, you know, just this, this dumb, dumb Austrian guy. He couldn't be farther from that. He is, this, he is such such an intellectual and such a smart, smart guy. And one thing that really resonated is when he was talking about receiving an award for being a self-made man, he immediately said, he corrected him. He said, I'm not a self-made man. I did not get to this position alone. I did it with the help of a lot of friends. And I'll say the same thing. I mean, you know, I'd love to sit up here and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored and, and I'm honestly very humbled by, you know, the introduction. 
but I didn't get here just alone. I, you know, when anyone that's successful, there's a lot of misperceptions. There's a lot of misperceptions that people that are successful, you know, in whatever uh, avenue, whatever uh, area of life, did it all alone. And you don't. You've got to realize that you got there with the help from a little, a little help from your friends. To 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 quote the Beatles. And one thing as well, too, and you and I were discussing this um, before the podcast, I got there by failing a lot. Um, I, you know, without it, you know, it's the, I'll say it this way. It, it's a yin and yang, you know, without failure, there is no success. And without success, there is no failure. You know, it's really, it's, it's that balance. It's that tension, but I try to fail forward. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of value in that. And when I do fail, and I do struggle, and I do fall. One, I get up. I mean, that's you know, that's, that's a key thing. That's a that's a Rockyism. You know, it's you know, it's not how many times you get you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. But it's really also too what you take away from it. But the other thing I, <clears throat> that I was saying, I don't want to go all over the board here, but you know, I was having a conversation with one of my uh, my team members the other day, and she, you know, she's a, ju- a junior team member. I said. You know, one thing that I want you to realize is on the way up, I said, the one thing that I can, the wisdom that I can impart to you is I said, on the way up, don't put others down, bring them up with you. I said, because if you can't, and if you don't, it's really lonely when you get to the top. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm even close to the top, but when you bring people up and you give them a hand up and you help them, and that's what happened on my way up is a lot of people reached out their arm and said, you know what, you need help. Here's some advice. Here's something that could actually, you know, push you forward. And the good people, the really solid people, the the people that really believe in themselves and, you know, that are honorable people, don't want anything from it. They're not asking you, you know, for praise. You know, a simple thank you is enough. What I always tell people is, is you know, someone will say, well, you know, you, you really helped me out there. What do I owe you? And I said, well, you do owe me one thing. You owe me that the next time someone needs help, that you're going to do the same thing for them, you know, and that sounds so trite. It sounds so hallmarkish, what have you, but it really, it really, really is true. I mean, if you don't do that, life isn't as fun, you know, the more you can help people. I mean, that's you and I have, have, you know, have interacted. We've, we've worked together for, for a long time in the industry and knowing that I have people that uh, I can reach out to and I can ask them a question. I can ask them a favor. I can call them out of the blue because you and I haven't talked for a while. You know, and, and when we do, it's just like old times. So again, I guess I guess the point of this is one, don't don't be afraid to fail. You know, I mean, don't fail all the time. Try to be successful once in a while. But when you do fail, get up and learn from it. Okay. And learn from it. And the other thing too is don't be afraid to talk about your failures because I think that's one thing. Uh, you know, you and I were also discussing this as well, too, is Social media right now paints these pictures that are completely uh, dishonest. These pictures that your makeup is always great, uh, your life is always great, um, your life partner is, you know, the most in shape, uh, most in fit thing. Everywhere you travel, you know, it's sunny weather, what have you. That's a bunch of hog, you know what. Uh, That is so stupid. Things don't happen always like that. So don't be afraid to be honest, be real. Um, on my social media, I mean, I literally, I, one, one of the most popular posts we had recently was literally my, my team members, my staff making fun of me. I mean, they were literally, I have all these little 
Bufordisms, you know, where I, I go into a procedure, I put a little tape on my glasses, like a nerd, everybody laughs at me and, you know, and they posted this and I, and the first thing was, you know, they were kind of looking around, they're like, Ooh, should we have done this? I laughed my ass off. I mean, I thought it was so funny. And someone actually DM me and said, how would you let your staff do that to you? And I said, do that to me. I said, I encourage them to do more of that. I said, the more real you are, I mean, that's why I get clients. That's why I, I think, hopefully I'm, I'm good as well too, hopefully. But it's also too, I think the people that resonate with me are the ones that are not afraid to show who they really are. You know, they're the ones that are, um, they're, they're, they're not, they're comfortable opening up the curtain and saying, you know what, I'm afraid here. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit uneasy here. I got to the top, but you know, it was treacherous. There was a lot of struggles. I lost my footing once in a while, but you know, when I did, I again, got back up, I made a mistake, but I, I made it. So, so that's, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Well, should we just wrap things up right there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Holy buckets, you you gave so much good content. And for so a couple of my Chicago listeners told me recently that they've never heard the term holy buckets. And when they heard it on the podcast, they started laughing at me, which is great. I guess that's a Minnesota thing to say. Um, but yeah, I think you're right in the humility and the kindness piece. I came across a study and I really want to present this from stage because it ties into my main keynote called the kind key unlocking your secret power. And that kindness really starts within and being kind to yourself. So I found a clinical study that supports this and I'm going to draw the connection to plastic surgery specifically. What they discovered in this clinical trial or in this clinical study was that doctors that engage in more positivity more positive self-talk, have better satisfaction in their job, show up better, have better patient outcomes, happier staff, better retention in staff and in um, patients. And if you think about it from a patient perspective, if patients are doing their due diligence and they are researching you, by the time they walk in your door, they already know that you are skilled. They've looked at your before and after photos that you have online. They look at your experience. You've got over 25 years experience, over 25,000 procedures performed. They know you've got the credentials. You've been doing this over 20 years, over two decades. So they already know that. Usually, and even having been in the industry, people ask me my opinions all of the time. And in my opinion, I always encourage people to get three consultations. And I say, don't go with the most expensive necessarily. Don't necessarily go with the least expensive. Go with the person that makes you feel heard and comfortable. And I really think that has so much to do with that. And it's the way that you present things. You make yourself human by letting your staff, like having that humility and being able to not take yourself so damn seriously, right? Like, and and having that playfulness. And I think so often like to draw the line back to social media is like people want to get brave behind a keyboard right and and be you know tear other people down instead of lifting other people up that's another reason why i think that we are drawn to one another and stay connected um and then also things aren't always as they appear and you have to be real and open and so the fact you know that you were to 
willing to be open about sharing about your failures. And, you know, some people say there's no such thing as a failure or that if you don't fail, that you're not trying hard enough and you're not being innovative enough and trying new things, but there's success and then there's learning, right? And you kind of alluded to that. You have to, when you fail, you have to learn from it, right? Figure out, okay, well, what would I do differently? So what do you think you know, in reflecting back as you were getting going in your business with your plastic surgery practice, what was maybe your biggest failure? That's a good question. Um, I'd have to go through the um, 10,595 failures <laughs> that I've made. Um, you know, I, I think globally, this is going to sound kind of nonsense, but I think um, I think one of the failures is... Um, I, I didn't. I took the. I took this, the uh, the field a little too seriously, and I thought, why is it that you know that someone like me that you know literally I don't publish, I don't sit on any academic appointments. Um, I'm um, I'm about as non political as they get. I mean, I anybody that knows me, I'm I'm snarky. I speak my opinion maybe too much sometimes, but you know I'm totally the antithesis of who should be on leading advisory boards and so forth. And initially, I was like, well, I, sh you know, I, I shouldn't try that and so forth. So one of the biggest failures I had is not, I mean, not as undervaluing myself. And I think a lot of people do that. They say, well, you know, I don't have this fancy education. You know, I didn't go to Harvard. So, you know, therefore, I'm not as worthy. That's, that's such nonsense. That is such total nonsense. It's really, you know, I'm not saying the, the you know, fake it until you make it. Because I think a lot of people on social media now do that. And I mean, they're all, and a lot of people are posers in that sense, but have the faith to really, really take the challenges, take the leaps. Um, I talk to my staff all the time, or I should, uh, I should say my team, because like, I hate the term staff, um, about stretch goals and blind spots. You know, those are two things that I really focus on. Stretch goals being things that are just outside of where you think you can accomplish. And I challenge all my team members to do better. You know, I mean, I'm constantly saying, you know what? You did great, but what do you think? What do you think about doing it a little bit more? And they're like, is it not good enough? It's not that. You know, it's not like the parent that always says, Well, you got an A. Why didn't you get an A plus? You know, why didn't you, you know, you got an A plus, why didn't you get a you know A plus plus an extra credit? It's not that, but it's it's understanding and valuing your own value. And I think the other term that I really, really like is blind spots. Um, blind spots are you know, it's a it's a term I learned in a in a business group. Uh, I was in a, an EO or for a while, the Entrepreneurs Organization. So I was around all these business people, and they constantly talked about, you know, what are your blind spots? What are the things that you know that you can't see in your rearview mirror that you're doing that you're literally you're holding yourself back? You know, and I think we all have those. So I mean, I think my failure, my my biggest failure early on is you know was really not pushing myself as much. Um, my failures now, because I, you know, I still continue to fail I mean, because I'm striving to, you know, move forward and you don't, I don't think you ever get so smart that you don't fail. My, um, my blind spot, and I would call it that, you know, more than the failure is stopping to smell the roses. Um, I have had, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but it, it's so funny because anyone that knows me knows that I, I, um, one of my mantras is, well, you know, I'm, I'm slowing down. I'm trying to, to put less on my plate. <laughs> Who's kidding who? I mean, I run three businesses now. I'm, you know, I'm, it's Saturday today and I'm, I'm, I'm at the office right now getting stuff caught up. 
Um, I'm, you know, I'm designing a, a big meeting with my co-founders. I run a, a national training institute for injectables and we're doing a big uh, entrepreneurship summit. I mean, I didn't have the first clue how to do this thing, you know, and all of a sudden now I've got leading sponsors from all over the U.S. jumping to sponsor this meeting. I've got top names in the business and I'm like, holy shit, I, I'm like, uh, I better make this really good. But I think one of my one of my blind spots is that to be the best me, not only for me, but for those around me, for my family, for my friends. I also, you know, I need to slow it back a little bit because sometimes, I mean, it's a it's a wonderful problem, but sometimes life hands you too many opportunities and sometimes you have to learn to say no. And you have to learn to say, you know what, I'm going to pick and choose from those. So I think that's that's one of my, it doesn't sound like a, a bad failure, but I think the the biggest failure that someone in my position can have is not recognizing everything around them, the beauty around them, um, the the love around them, the friendships around them, honestly, until it's too late. And I and not to get down, on a down moment, but you know, I've lost a few friends. And I mean, the sad thing is, one of my friends, um, uh, she passed uh, earlier uh, earlier this month, or actually actually last month, uh, actually took her life. And what kills me is, I had an email out to her wishing her happy birthday in January, and I never followed up on it. Because you know what? I was too damn busy. I was too damn busy. Kills me. Every time I think about it, I'm like, that was the stupidest thing in the world. I was too busy to pick up the phone and say, you know what? Let's go grab lunch. Let's do this. And now, you know, that opportunity is, is passed. I can't do anymore. So I think for anyone watching, be successful, but success doesn't necessarily mean money. It doesn't necessarily mean being busy. It doesn't necessarily mean running a big company. Success can be defined on in many ways. But I think one of the successes is having people that actually care about you. And for me, one thing that I'm really trying to do with my businesses, with uh, my interactions with friends and so forth, is to leave a legacy, is to leave something behind that somehow what I've done actually mattered. And I think as humans, I think that's important. You know, we don't want to just go gently into that good night, so to speak. You know, we want to be able to know that when we step back, that people actually maybe miss us. And we've actually left an indelible mark and our indelible stain, so to speak. And that what we've done has not been wasted. So, you know, failure is all part of that. I mean, some of my greatest failures, um, you know, I, I failed a marriage, okay? I failed a marriage early on. And, you know, I, I said I wasn't gonna talk about it, but I, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, you know what, I'm not I'm not gonna disparage my ex-wife. I mean, she's, she's a good person, but um, people grow and they change, you know? And that's what happens. And, and if I hadn't have left that relationship, I wouldn't have met my current fiance and her kids. And you know what? It's the best thing that ever happened to me. So, I mean, the fact that one thing fell apart, another thing opened, okay? Another grand opportunity opened. And now I've been with my fiance and her kids for 10 years, which is two and a half years longer than my whole damn marriage. So, you know, when you when you think that, you know, you're kind of at the end of your rope, so to speak, and, you know, things couldn't get any worse, um, one, they actually can. <laughs> so don't kid yourself. You know, the light at the end of the tunnel could be an oncoming train, so to speak. But 
also understand that things can get better, you know, and those things are the things that, that, um, they temper your soul, so to speak. And if you didn't have those challenges, if you didn't have those, those failures, if you didn't have those, uh, inefficiencies, so to speak, you wouldn't be who you are, you know? It makes you a stronger person. That which does not kill you makes you stronger. I used to think that was total nonsense, but you know, it really is true. Now, that being said, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that happen to me. I'm like, okay, I'm strong enough. I don't need to be tested anymore. That was that was nice. You know, I don't need that. Uh, I don't need another failure. But I look at some of these things and I just, um, I try to genuflect and, and be introspective and say, you know, what does this really mean to me? What is, why did this thing happen to me? Because I think, I truly think on a, you know, not to get hippy dippy here, but I really do think a lot of stuff actually happens for a reason. I really do. I mean, I think a lot of the, a lot of the stuff in life, you say, that really stunk. I can't believe I'd lost that job. Well, you know what? The fact that you lost that job, I mean, that was actually the reason that another door opened. Here's, here's one thing I'll tell you. So I, um, I trained a lot of really cool places. Um, when I was at Georgetown, okay, I went to I went to Georgetown Medical School, and my goal was I want to be a California boy. You know, I want to be Doctor Nine Hundred Two One Zero. I mean, I really wanted to be. And then I matched this little place in a crummy city called Cleveland, and this crummy little place is called the Cleveland Clinic. Now, if any of you know where I'm heading with this, I was like, okay, I'll go there. You know, I'll just go to this little Cleveland Clinic place. Well, during the time that I was at this crummy little Cleveland Clinic place. The Cleveland Clinic is now one of the biggest uh, health care organizations in the world. And the fact that I spent time there, I mean, initially I was like, ah, shoot, this is, you know, this is, I want to say a failure. It's not even close to being a failure. But it was like, oh, that was kind of my second choice. You know what? Had I not done that, I wouldn't have had the education. I wouldn't have met the lifelong friends. I wouldn't have had the doors that have opened because that one thing happened. Because that one thing happened. So, I mean, it was amazing. The other thing, um, UCSD, I went to undergraduate UCSD, you know, go, go Tritons. We had a surf team. I mean, we didn't have the big, you know, football team or anything like that. And I'm like, uh, I kind of wanted to go to LA, you know, I want to go to Berkeley and so forth. I mean, the fact that I went to UCSD, UCSD now is ranked one of the top schools. They probably wouldn't even take me now. You know, it's such a competitive school, but again, I thought that was a failure and it was not even close to that. It was the door that was opening and it was the right door for me. So the next time you have a failure or a struggle or a difficulty, a challenge, keep in mind that may be actually the direction that you're intended to go down. And maybe that other direction that you thought was the right direction to go down was actually not the right direction. And so whatever you want to call it, a God, a spirit, a force, a divine intervention or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you believe in. I do think there's a little bit of that playing out in the universe. And sometimes the universe likes to play dirty little tricks on you and tries to kind of screw with you a little bit. But sometimes it kind of gives you a swift kick in the butt and says, you know what, you may think you know it all and you really don't. And actually, this is the medicine you need and not what you thought was right for you. So that's that's kind of my uh, my long and short. Sorry for the long <laughs> the diatribe there. I love it. You just dropped so many little bombs of gems in there. And it's I, the whole time I was like, gosh, it's no wonder that we have stayed connected. There's so many synchronicities. So I like to call them synchronicities. And I also believe that nothing happens by chance. I think that the universe works in really um, interesting ways for us. 
but we have to pay attention to it. Um, my sister and I were having a conversation recently and I was having a, like a down week and, you know, here I am like all about positivity and finding the good in things and, you know, learning from them. And she was like, it just means no right now. I think I'd gotten told no, like four times, like four pitches I had made that week about speaking or whatever it was. And she's like, it just means not right now. I said, no, it doesn't. I actually had to like reshift back into my own gear. And I was like, it means no, there's something better. And I really like, and that's exactly what you just alluded to is that sometimes when it feels like it's not, you know, if you feel like you're having to force something too hard, maybe that's not the right path, right? You have to find what is for you. Um, you know, and when, like you said, sometimes when really difficult times happen, maybe you or your partner loses your job, or you are on the brink of closing the doors of your business, you know, and you feel like you're about to fail, like, those are big moments, because it's taking up that space in your life. And so, so people are like, ah, oh, people lose jobs every day. But when it's happening to you and happening in your life, it's, it's really big. And if you can find, you know, the, the reason or your purpose of, what is meant to be for you. That's great. Um, you, you talked about so many things that we talk about regularly here on drinking with gin. Um, one of the other things you alluded to, I don't think you necessarily called it this, but I just right before I came here, reshared in my Instagram stories, a post from Adam Grant. He's a big author. I forget. Um, I can't, of course, right now I can't think of the name of one of his major books, but he's massive. And he talked about imposter syndrome. And that, and for you and I coming from aesthetics, I joke all the time coming from like being a narcissist abuse survivor. I talk all the time, like, oh, it's no wonder I ended up in aesthetics. Talk about a breeding ground for narcissism. But his, his um, statement said that the only people that always feel a hundred percent confident are narcissists. And he talked about, you know, imposter syndrome and sometimes doubting yourself or questioning or, you know, not always having that 100% confidence. And especially as a business owner now, I can relate to that. Like, oh my gosh, what am I even doing here? Like, wait, I'm supposed to be working in corporate, but, you know, and so like having that is healthy, right? Like that's part of that human component and what makes you real and what is like you said, I think, um, goes back to like why your patients come to you and why you have such a, you know, successful staff that wants to come to work and, and work hard, work hard to support you and what you're doing for your patients. So, and there was probably so much more, uh, that you talked about in there too. It was all just wonderful. So thank you. And for being vulnerable enough to open up about talking about your divorce, because a lot of times, people feel like that's a failure. You know, it's like maybe your divorce isn't plastered on the global news like Johnny Depp and, you know, Amber Heard, but when it's happening in your life, it's really big. And I think a lot of times people can walk around feeling stigma or shame or be embarrassed for being divorced or having a failed relationship. And that's why sharing our stories is so important. That's why I shared mine is to provide validation for people and, you know, make sure that people know that they're not alone and creating a safe space for other people to feel comfortable too. So I think that's all really important. So as you were building your business and you had some of these failures, did you ever consider just throwing in the towel? Uh, let me think here. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> multiple times. 
Um, you know, one, one of the things actually, and, and, um, and you talked about the imposter syndrome, I still, and, and hopefully none of my patients watch this and didn't actually hear me say this, but I still, you know, when I get in the OR, I'm like, holy shit, I'm like, I'm actually the guy that's doing this surgery. They're actually trusting me to do this because it's, I mean, it's such an honor. It is really, I mean, what do I do every day? And I was, I was watching a show and I'm, this is kind of a crazy thing. It was about a, it's about a psycho psycho surgeon who went the wrong way. But, you know, they were talking about how compassionate he was and so forth and how much uh, uh, put, patients put their trust in him. And, you know, what? it really kind of it really kind of resonated with me, you know, because obviously I'm a psychosurgeon, but the it resonated with me what I do on a daily basis and how much trust there is. I mean, and so for me. There's not a lot of jobs that that you get to do that on a day-to-day basis. But to answer your question, did I ever want to throw in the towel? Oh, hundreds of times. I mean, hundreds of times. When I had a difficult patient, when a procedure didn't go the way it should, you know, because I'm so smart and so skilled, everything's supposed to be perfect. Um, you know, I, I talk about surgery like golf because if golf is like that, you know, you play uh, your first hole, you hit it right on the green, you're like, wow, I'm really good. I'm going to become a PGA pro. And then the next one goes in the rough, the next one goes in the water, the next one hits another person or a bird or a child, or God forbid. But, you know, it, it all kinds of go, goes down from there. It humbles you. It humbles you. So um, I've thought about throwing in the towel multiple times. But, you know, I think the, the question from there is, why, why didn't I do that? You know, why did I do that? Was it because of all the crazy money I make? No, it has nothing to do with the money. The, the, I could actually, to be honest with you, I could make a lot more money in a lot of other industries, to be to be frank, and not train half my life, you know. But for me, it's, um, I get, you know what it is, is when I get the patient coming in that's that, that goes, uh, it's my post-op, okay? It's my post-op patient that I come in, and she, because most of my patients are women, she goes, and I say, well, what do you think? And she's like, can I just give you a hug? Can I just give you, you changed my life. And it's like, wow. I'm like, I actually did that. I'm like, I really played that big of a role. I mean, that's huge. And that's, and I don't say that arrogantly. I say that very humbly that, wow, I played a role in, you know, I, I get, for example, I get women all the time. I do a lot of uh, the botched jobs, so to speak. I get the, you know, I get the fixes. I do a lot of breast revisions. I have patients that come in and, you know, and cry and say, they, are not comfortable had you know uh, being intimate with their with their partner i mean it's you know i mean it just changes them so much and then i do the surgery for them and literally i had a case recently where this was a case the patient started crying i mean literally was so moved and i'm like wow that is to be able to have the ability to do that the ability to actually shape someone's life and change someone's life and give them something that they've always wanted Wow, that is really humbling. And that's why I don't give up. Because I mean, it's a super cool thing. I mean, I'm not doing widgets here. I'm not like, you know, breast dog one, breast dog two, breast dog three. It's not that. These are human stories. And I think anybody that follows me on Instagram will see. I mean, I I mean, I look like an idiot on Facebook, you know, or or Instagram, what have you. I mean, when I say that, you know, I don't sit there and, and try to put on the, you know, the the Dr. Buford professional. Uh, you know, Walter Cronkite voice or whatever, you know, and try to be all serious. I stutter, you know, I, you know, I maybe blink here and there or whatever. I look up around or I look confused. We don't edit those things out. We don't edit those things out. And you know why? 
I tell anybody that I work with, don't edit them out because I want to look human because I am human. And I want other people to look at it and say, well, you know what? He's a pretty good speaker. And, but he, you know, he stumbles sometimes. Well, you know, if he stumbles and I'm already stumbling, maybe I could become a good speaker too. You know, I never, I never wanted to go on the podium. I never really wanted to go up and speak. And now I've spoken probably over a hundred times on the, on the stage. Um, you know, 2018, I gave, I gave the commencement address in my school, go UCSD. Um, you know, you talk about imposter syndrome. I'll never forget that. It was a Friday afternoon. I got an email from Paul. Okay. So Paul is the, uh, is the, the provost at UCSD and said, and, and Paul said, you know, in his letter, uh, dear Greg, uh, on behalf of the students at UCSD and myself, uh, we are honored to invite you to be the commencement speaker for the 2018 graduating class of Ravel College. And I'm like, Oh my God, this totally was a wrong person. I mean, he, he pressed send and he meant to send to someone else because I looked at the other people the year before it was an astronaut, you know, and like the year before that, it was someone that was uber successful. I'm like, there's no way you totally screwed up. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm going to come back and I'm, you know, this email is going to be gone because, you know, this was obviously just a, this is just a wrong email and it wasn't. And when I stood on that stage and spoke in front of 7,000 people, um, my mom was in the audience and uh, my fiance and her kids were in the audience. I mean, you can see, I still get, I get a little choked up. I mean, it's like, I was so cool. That was so cool. They chose this idiot, me, to speak on the stage. I mean, you talk about imposter syndrome. I'm like, what the hell am I doing up here? But it was one of the proudest moments and something that I thought was going to totally fail. And you know what? I got a standing ovation and high fives after it. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. And I mean, you can see, I mean, I'm, I'm far from being the best speaker. I mean, when I went to when I went to practice for it, you know, I was looking at all these people. And I have to tell you, if you want to see one of the funniest addresses, I believe it was Conan O'Brien. I want to say it was at Dartmouth, but look it up. I literally was, I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop from laughing. It was so, so right on and so perfect. And so I was going to do a funny presentation and my fiance was nice enough to tell me, well, that would work if you were actually funny. <laughs> so she kept me humble. She's very good at doing that. But, you know, I'm not really funny. I mean, I'm, I'm humorous and I'm, I'm human, but I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a comedian. But, you know, doing that kind of thing and stepping out of my realm of safety, getting out of my comfort zone, that was one of the best things that I ever did. So, you know, I would say anybody watching this, if you think you can't, then you can't. Get out of your own way. I mean, that's something that people always say, just get out of your own way. Because so many times the reason you can't do something has nothing to do with your ability, has nothing to do with other people's expectations. It has to do with your inner demons. It has to do with you telling yourself that you can't do something. You're not good enough for it. You know, you're not, you're not attractive enough. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. What have you? Well, guess what? It's not imposter syndrome. We all have those feelings. And I would say that anybody that's in any anything in life, whatever position it is, we all have imposter syndrome. And as you climb that ladder and you get to be higher in your career, you know, more notable, no more renowned or whatever you want to call it. You kind of, I mean, I still think when I get on the stage, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm on the stage with some pretty big people in this industry. I'm like, the hell are they do, am I doing here? I mean, like they must've obviously had someone get sick, but no, because I actually deserve to be there and I have a valid point. So I've 
given myself now license to actually embrace that. And so I would recommend to anyone else out there as well, too. When you get those opportunities, you know, don't do it in an arrogant way. No one likes people puffing up their chest, but do it in a way they say, you know what? Check that box. That was really cool. Now, what's the next adventure? Because ultimately, that's one thing that I look at is adventures. You know, I'm a travel freak. I, I love traveling the world. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, hobby photographer. You know, I love capturing things. I love capturing people. But, you know, I always like new adventures. I like putting myself in uh, areas where, you know, maybe it's not so comfortable, um, different countries, different languages, what have you. But that's life. And that's really, I'll tell you what, as I, like I said, as, as I've gotten older, and I'll tell you, and, and, you're, and you're very young, Jenny. So someday when you get around my age, you'll realize it. As you get, you know, you spend the, the first part of your life trying to speed up life. You're like, I can't wait until I get to this. I can't wait until I get this. And you spend the whole damn rest of your life trying to slow it down because you're like, you know what? It's going so fast. I mean, I'll be 57 in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, really? Like, man, I'm 57. I, when I was in my, my 20s, I would have bought myself a rocking chair. I would have said, you know what? Shut up, sit down and just, you know, <laughs> grandpa. But I am nowhere near. I mean, one reason I know I can't die for a long time is I got too much to do on my to-do list. You know, I've got a really long to-do list and things that I want to accomplish. And that's the other thing I would say as well, too, is, you know, set those goals, set those things that you want to do, set those crazy things. A good a good buddy of mine, he's, he's a plastic surgeon as well, too, um, I think had some people kind of laughing at him. And, you know, if you watch this, he'd probably chuckle on this as well. He's going to be retiring. He's in his early 60s, and he's going to acting school. And people are like, what are you doing with the acting? What are you going to become like, De Niro or anything like that? You know what I told him? Good job. Good job. I'm like, that is the craziest thing, craziest thing that I've ever heard. Good job. Do it. You know? So, you know, what am I going to do? I can tell you, as I start slowing down, I'm going to shoot pictures with National Geographic. I'm going, to try, I'm going to go to the Cordon Bleu and take cooking classes. I'm going to be that skinny white dude from the U.S. with a big chef's hat. People are looking at him going, what the hell are you doing here? I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do crazy things, you know, and I may fail. I may fail. I mean, in cooking, I love to cook, but I can tell you, ask Allie, my fiance, I have messed up a lot of, a lot of meals. I have messed up a lot of meals, but I've made some really good ones, too. Life is like that, you know? You got the old thing, you got to, what, break a few eggs and make an omelet. I think is what, what the saying is. It's true. I mean, you really, really have to take those chances. But I'd much rather get to the end of life and say, you know what? Yeah, I had I had some, some, some total failures. No, I really had some bad failures. But look at what I accomplished. I took the risk. I got the gains. And I have no regrets. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I want no regrets. And I would encourage anybody as well, too, to take that kind of a, a approach in life because the worst life lived, I heard this the other day, someone said that their version of hell was dying, going up to heaven, and meeting the person that they could have become. And that's my version of hell as well, too, is meeting this person that I could have become had I decided to take those chances and feel sorry for myself because I failed. That would be failure. Wow. Um, 
again, you just gave so much good. Con- you talked a lot about what you talked about was perspective, you know, and again, I want to go back to um, when you were chatting earlier about losing your friend. I'm so sorry uh, for your loss. And unfortunately, sometimes losing people is what starts to put life into perspective. I've been very open about losing my brother. Gosh, it's been almost seven years now. And then losing my dad, who was my guy. Um, but sometimes losing people, I lost a friend earlier this year too. Um, she actually passed away in January she was a colleague in the industry and it's just, it puts life in perspective. And when you were talking earlier about like how you want to leave a legacy and not necessarily have it be like, oh, well, he was this, you know, masterful plastic surgeon, right? Like it's about more than that. One of the components that I do that's in my newest book, I'm My Favorite, is called The Wheel of Life. And I taught some workshops a few weeks ago. And the attendees started chatting amongst themselves and looking and reflecting at their own lives and how they were satisfied and dissatisfied in different areas. There were tears. There were tears from these grown people because they were like, I have been so focused on my career. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be focused on your career, but one person was like, I don't know the last time I felt joy in my life. Mm -hmm. And when you really look at things and put it in perspective, right before they're ripped away from you or before it's too late, you know, that's really, you know, really powerful. Um, You also, so many things that you touched on, like I said, again, are the, this is why the synchronicity is happening here today because we're just very aligned on a lot of the the content. When you talked about, I actually hope all of your patients hear that you sometimes are like, really, man, they're trusting me to do this. People ask me all the time, do you get nervous before you step on stage? Every damn time. And I think the reason why you have those thoughts when you go and do surgery and the reason why I get nervous before I go on stage is because I care, is because you care. You care about doing the best job that you can at what you're doing and providing the best outcomes. And I think that's really healthy. That's the way that I like to look at it. And then you also were talking about, hey, when I retire, I am going to to school at Cordon Bleu. I am going to travel. I am going to do photographs for National Geographic. Those are intentions. And intentions... And it's not just a hope and a wish and a dream, right? You, I, I know you, you are going to put action behind those intentions. And even the way that you said them and frame them, that's another thing that I have in my new book, I'm my favorite is intentions and intentions and how we frame them. It's not, I hope to, or I might, it's I am and, or I will, or it's really more I am. And you live your life in that framework of already being that thing or being that person or doing that thing. I, in 2019, wrote an intention that I am a best-selling published author and internationally renowned speaker, positively impacting and empowering others. Had I written a book? No. Did I have to write the book in order to accomplish that? Yes. And so our intentions and how we talk to ourselves also, you, you talked about this too, our thoughts and how we speak to ourselves and how we treat ourselves shape our mood and our mood creates our reality. And the importance of that and that you are conscientious of that is so powerful. And I think, again, that's what makes you the great surgeon you are. That's what makes people connect with you on stage and why you get invited back on stage. 
And I also was right there with you. I could feel you getting emotional about that accomplishment and the way that you impacted those people. It wasn't about like, oh, I did this really great job. It was people were moved and it had meaning. And, you know, your family and your mom got to be there in the crowd to see that. And that's really beautiful. So again, doing and being you authentically as you is what makes things meaningful. And, and I appreciate that about you. So thank you. I want to shift gears real quick. Um, and uh, one of the other components of Gin Path, my coaching model, which is in I'm my favorite, is nurture. And nurture can look a lot of different ways. It's to me the way that I'll just give like the broad perspective. It's about how we care for ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically all of those components. And you talked about cooking and your love for cooking and your Instagram page, which by the way, it, and we'll get to all this in the end too, but you're going to want to go click and follow Dr. Buford on Instagram immediately. It's so engaging, so fun to watch. And we'll put all your handles and I'll put it all in the show notes too at the end. Um, so people can just click and, and follow. But you have a book called Eat, Drink, Heal and a really unique perspective on how to nurture yourself to have the best outcome and how that is synergistic with surgery. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I'm really fascinated by that. Yeah, that's a, actually, uh, I didn't even know we're going to go down that topic, but that's, that's a passion play for me. Um, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit. Uh, you know, I've, I've written a couple of books and the reason I write those books is because there's a need for that book. You know, I wrote a business book. It wasn't a good business book for, for physicians and, and, uh, practice owners. So I wrote it. I wrote Eat, Drink, Heal because I was seeing a lot of people poo-pooing nutrition when it comes to surgery, surgical healing. In fact, actually a little joke, and I won't, I won't name who it is, but if you're watching, you know who you are. I had one of my good friends, one of my peers, actually, I asked him to review the book and you know write a forward for it. He's like, that nutrition thing? He goes, really? Seriously? You believe in that crap? And I'm like, um, yeah, actually, I believe in that crap because there's actually science behind that crap. And the bottom line is now the Cleveland Clinic's taking it on. Um, Tulane University Medical School actually has a cooking associated with their medical school. There's a number of schools. Harvard Harvard actually is doing something, uh, I believe, with the Culinary Institute as well, too. You know, and there's a lot of forward movement on that. Um, you know, I think I don't think I know surgical nutrition is critical. Okay. Surgical nutrition is, and you know, think about it. Think about your gut. Okay. The gut brain connection is so, is so powerful. 70% of your immune system is in your gut. 70% of your nervous system, your neurotransmitters, guess where they're made. Okay. They're made in your gut. When you say I've got a gut feeling. Okay. <laughs> There's a reason why you have a gut feeling, you know, because those feelings originate within the gut garbage in garbage out. You know, the average American eats horribly, okay, eats horribly. And they wonder why they're depressed, they're tired, they're sad, they're what have you, because you're eating garbage, okay? So regardless of that, what I wanted to do for my patients is say, you know what, I'm going to go the extra step for you. I'm going to go the extra mile for you, you know, and I'm going to teach something to you, you know, and I'm going to do it in a really sly way. And what's crazy is I've now... I've now been doing this for several years. Okay. I think I wrote the, I want to say I wrote the book in like 2016 or something like that. 
you know, since then, it's, it's actually been sold around the world. Um, I work with a company called, I'll give it a shout out, um, take, take a look at it. It's called Men Nutrition. I mean, this company, the founder is an absolute genius, and they have a, um, a, a supplement brand. You know, I don't get kickbacks. I'm an investor. I invest because I believe in it. But I helped design the product for perisurgical um, uh, nutrition. And, you know, what's crazy, what's so cool is I give my patients, I don't charge them, I give my patients a bottle of this, every single one of them, before surgery. So they're going to have it before surgery, they're going to have it after surgery, it's going to help their healing. And what I love is when they come back in, they go, you know, Dr. B, not only did I love that men nutrition, that shake, my husband keeps stealing it. My kids, my teenagers, you know, are using it. Where can we order more? And I'm like, awesome. I won. You know, I, I got in there and I was sneaky and I taught them a little bit about nutrition. Every one of my patients gets my book as well, too, Eat, Drink, Heal. You know, and it's and it's really, it's a revolution. I mean, things are happening on the nutritional front that we realize that they're better surgical outcomes. And, you know, Jenny, you know me really well. I mean, it's, uh, am I passionate about it? Yeah. I don't do anything halfway, okay? I always give 100 plus percent because otherwise, I mean, that's not me. When I cook, I give 100%, okay? When I, when I take my photos, same thing. I really want to be part of that. I want to let that activity just kind of envelop me. It's the same thing with nutrition. I jump head uh, headstrong or head, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> right into that. And, you know, it's, it's really, really rewarding when patients look at me and say, you know what? My other surgeon, they didn't talk about nutrition. They didn't talk about this. I mean, they were concerned about the procedure. Well, yeah, I'm concerned about the procedure too. Absolutely. I'm a plastic surgeon. You know, I want you to have a great outcome. But if there's a little things that can give you that better result, that can give you a better recovery. And ultimately, if I can maybe transform how you eat after your surgery, guess what? I've won. I've won. I mean, that's that little victory that I think is so powerful. I want to, again, talking about legacies, I want people to remember me not as, you know, the plastic surgeon that drives a Porsche or the plastic surgeon that has this fancy stuff or... I mean, the, the nonsense on, on Instagram cracks me up. I mean, you know, look at my shoes, look at this, you know, you know, shiny object, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I want to be known for. I want to be known for someone that actually made a difference, actually transformed, actually did something a little bit differently that people may have laughed at. And I have been laughed at, but you know what, right or wrong, I'm going to do something that I'm passionate about and I'm going to change the industry. And I would encourage anybody. It's not just medicine whatever industry you're in, change the industry a little bit, you know, make it kinder, make it more approachable, make it something that's a little bit different than it currently is. Because it's easy to make to leave it for the worse. I mean, anyone can throw a bomb in the middle of an industry and walk away and it's it's worse for having been there. Okay. We all know the names that resonate that have really destroyed industries. And often the people that 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 leave industries better are not remembered as much. I mean, it's it's just that day of fame. Everybody's looking at famous people and so forth. But you know what? The people that matter will know the change that you've made. You know, and it's again, it's not about money. It's not necessarily about notoriety. It's just knowing that in your heart, that at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, that you can get up and go to work because you're making a difference, and that you can go to bed knowing that you've made a difference. And ultimately, that's, you know, we, we all have the same amount of time. Um, Steve Jobs talked about time as being the most valuable asset that 
Once it's gone, you, you can never get any more back. You can't buy it. You can't create any more of it. Time is the most important asset that we have. So never forget that. And do with that time, that seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's all we have. That's all we have. We're never going to get it back. So, I mean, you know, live life. I live life to the fullest. I mean, I don't, everybody always asks, you know, how do you, how do you do all this stuff? You know, how do you accomplish it? I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really know, but I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing. I mean, you mentioned people that are busy. Don't think you're busy. I mean, cause I don't, I mean, I would, so many people ask me, well, when are you going to retire? I mean, I'm like, well, you know, when I retire, I'm not going to retire. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm not going to retire. I'm going to be on boards. I'm going to be launching things. You know, I'll be creating things. I'll be doing things. I want to be giving back. I want to educate others, blah, blah, blah. You know, to me, that's fun. If you sit me on a golf course, you know, seven days a week and tell me to play golf, I'm going to shoot myself because that's not retirement for me. Retirement means that I don't have to work for money. Retirement means I can do whatever I want. And I'm literally at a point in my career where I can pretty much step away anytime. I've got the financial resources. I'm not rich, but I could pretty much step away and do whatever I want at any time. Guess what? I don't want it. I don't want it. You know, when I have, I have, I have companies coming up, there's a big private equity uh, uh, play within my space, you know, where everyone's saying, hey, we want to buy your company, we want to buy your company. You know, my response is, I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell. I mean, I, I would be so flipping bored. I would be so bored. You know, I want to do those things. I want to go to the Cordon Blue. I want to travel and all that kind of stuff. But I've already started doing this. We took the kids last year down to probably one of the most wonderful places. Um, if you've never been there, you need to go. We went to the Galapagos Islands. I mean, that was a absolute dream. I mean, I can't even describe how cool it was being, I mean, literally a few feet away from Mother Nature. I mean, it was like incredible. I mean, this was Darwin's playground. I mean, the photos that I took back, literally, and I, I think I'm a good photographer, but I'm not a world-class photographer. These were like really good shots. And it, I mean, it was a dream. And someone, another plastic surgeon told me a few years ago when I, when I talked about, because my next, my next trip is going to be to Africa to do a safari, because I'm a cat guy. I love, I love the big cats. I told him, you know, my dream someday is I'm going to go to South Africa. And he was actually, he's actually South African, since retired. Uh, his name's David Charles. So David, if you ever watch this, kudos to you. He told me basically over dinner that I was full of shit. <laughs> he told me right to my face. He goes, you're full of shit. He goes, this whole thing of like waiting and waiting. He goes, Greg, and he said it in a South African accent, he goes, sometimes tomorrow doesn't come. He goes, sometimes that, that tomorrow, you know, doesn't come. And he's absolutely right. So don't be afraid of doing the things now. Now, some people, you know, we don't have the financial wherewithal to, you know, to travel and do big trips like Africa would have you, but do the little things, explore, be adventurous. Don't be afraid to fail. Do crazy things, do a hot air balloon. I mean, I have a horrible fear of heights. I mean, I can never forget a couple of years ago, um, we went down to Mexico and um, I went down with the family and um, and we call her Baby A. She'd kill me if she heard me say this on a podcast, but Ava. So Baby A at the time was, um, she was probably about nine years old. We climbed up this big you know, ladder or whatever and went up to this big zip line and so forth. And I'm scared to death, okay? And my fiance, of course, jumps on with her son and goes, and zips over the tree line. We're about 300 feet above, you know? I mean, we're, we're up pretty high. So I get on the thing and I panic. I just freeze. I'm like, oh shit, I can't do this. And I'll never forget. She looked at me, she goes, you know, Greg, you can do this. 
you got this one. And I'm like, and I still get choked up. But I mean, how cool. I mean, this little kid tells me I can do it. And guess what? I pushed away and we did it. And the rest of the day, we did even bigger zip lines. And it was so cool. And to this day, she still laughs at me. And she's like, she's like, I got you to do the zip lines. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. So it's cool stuff. So, you know, if you've got, you've got a, a fear, try to conquer that fear. I mean, I still have a lot of fears. I'm still not great with heights. But I mean, it's, you know, those sometimes you're going to fail. And if you're, fa- if you're, if you're afraid of failing, I mean, honestly, if you're really that afraid, just stop living. Because I mean, life is full of fear and failures and letdowns and all that kind of stuff. And not that it's that we want to welcome those, but it's how we often embrace them. And most importantly, how we learn from those. And understand that those, those come along sometimes at the right time that we maybe needed that, whether it's to kind of maybe keep our ego in check and realize that we're not as big as we thought we were. It kind of humbles you. Um, I'm still trying to figure out why my golf game is so bad. There's some meaning in that, but I'll figure it out someday. But, you know, for the meantime, I just try to figure out, you know, all the things that I can do to, to try to kind of reach good examples. The, the training Institute that, um, that I founded and I, and I co-founded actually with, with two of my, my associates, awesome people. It was just a lark. We were going to do, you know, these little injectable trainings here and there. I used to be a big trainer for, um, you know, for Allergan, Galderm, all those companies. Um, you know, and I, I really wanted to do it on my own. So I started out as a lark. I mean, now we're selling out every course. We've been doing this for, for you know, for over two years. We're going on our third year. We're nationally recognized. I mean, we've got big sponsors for our next meeting. You know, shameless plug, but it's the, the core mastery summit if you want to go, if you're a med spa owner. It will transform how you do things. And we're putting this together. And I thought when I started putting this together, I'm like, well, I hope I can get a day of, of speakers. Now, literally, I've had to pare down the speakers. I have so many speakers. I've got two full days. I've got sponsors begging me to be on the on the roster. It was scary. It was scary. But you know what? This thing's going to succeed. And it's one of those things I was like, you know what? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, I, it might fail. And I mean, it might go down as the, the worst meeting ever put on. But on the opposite side, it may go down as one of the best meetings. And I'm banking on the latter. Well, I, again, oh my gosh. So like your passion and your authenticity, I think that's what's really important. And I love one of the things that you've continued to bring up, like um, with baby A, with Ava, um, encouraging you that you can do it and talking about the Galapagos Islands and um, taking time to play. I think that's part of like curiosity and trying things and figuring out what you like and what you don't like. You might not like everything, but you're not going to know unless you try it. Right. So, and by the way, um, I have had, I've been fortunate enough to do an African safari in Kenya and the cats are incredible. Um, you, you will have the best time. And yeah, I just like the failing forward. I love this, this concept, this theme. Um, you're an author, a plastic surgeon, running conferences. You've got all of these businesses. You find time to play. You're just as real as it can get. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been an honor 
to have you on the show to share and be so open and vulnerable and honest. And that's what it's all about here, because that is how we get better. And you talked about being the best version of yourself. That's what you want to be remembered for and making a difference, you know, making a difference and making a positive impact in people's lives. And I love how you're doing that. Yes, you perform surgery, but you talked about you know, helping improve people's lives. And I know that you're doing that. I know that you've done that here today in sharing and, and being open. So thank you. Thank you. How can people find you? Where can they find you? Yeah. So um, I'll, I shall give you my email address. I mean, it's literally, this is my personal email address. It's Dr. Buford. So Dr. Buford at beautybybuford.com. That's Dr. Buford at beautybybuford.com. Um, our website, our practice website is beautybybuford.com. Uh, okay, so www.beautybybuford.com. And let's see here. Um, our Instagram is at beautybybuford. Uh, the Training Institute is the Core Aesthetics Training Institute. You can look that up. Um, the Core Mastery Summit for you med spa owners out there. You can, uh, that's Core Mastery, I think it's coremasterysummit.com forgetting it now but you can you can google that um but you know reach out to me seriously I'm, I'm always happy to you know i don't always have the time to answer every single email but i do have people that'll that'll stop by shadow me if you're a medical professional um you know love to hear from you love to hear your inspirations but i think the most important thing you know seriously jenny i mean i I get a, I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of offers to do, to do podcasts and so forth. Not because I'm anyone important or anything like that, but you know, people ask me all the time and I'm like, you know, I do some, I, I don't do some. I was really excited to do yours one, because it's such a cool name. I mean, it's, that's an awesome name uh, Two, because I know you and I know it, you know, I know it's going to be genuine. And, um, and just for the people that are watching as well too, just, so you know, this was not scripted. Jenny actually gave me a whole list of questions and to be honest with you, Jenny, I didn't read any of them. <laughs> so sorry about that. But the reason I didn't read any of them is, you know why? Because I wanted it to be organic. Um, one of the worst presentations I ever gave was at the Aesthetic Show years ago. So it was a meeting um, in, in Las Vegas where I had to literally, I had to film a commercial on a teleprompter. And I was so bad, so bad because that's not me. I'm spontaneous. I speak off the cuff. You know, I, like I said, I stutter, I pause, I whatever, but I want to make it real. So I would say in life, do the same thing. Don't read off the teleprompter. Don't do, don't do what everyone else has done. That's reading off the teleprompter. Be your own self, be ad lib life. Okay. Follow other people's models, follow other people's uh, cues, learn from other people's mistakes. I mean, that's what I try to do as well too. find a mentor and ask them, what was the biggest mistake you ever made? I mean, seriously. And if they're really smart, they'll look at you and go, first of all, you've got balls <laughs> to ask me that. Second of all, they'll say, but you know what? That's the smartest question that you could have ever asked. Not, you know, what's your biggest success? I mean, usually you can read about the success. You just read out their resume. Just read their resume. You'll find mm -hmm. the biggest success. But no one puts mistakes on their resume. Okay. So ask them, what was the one mistake that you made that changed your life? What was that? Oprah aha moment. It was that moment that you just had to look inward and go, you know what? Got to pivot. And, and that's another thing. We could have a whole another podcast about pivots. That's my other, that's my other really, really uh, uh, my happy term, so to speak. But life is full of pivots and don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid. Now you're not giving up. Okay. 
Pivoting means that you realize that you're at a you're at a inflection point, that things need to change for whatever reason. And don't be afraid if if when you pivot, you fail. You might. It may be the wrong decision, but guess what? Just repivot. You know, I've made so many pivots, so many changes in life. Um, and like I said, I think I've made more good decisions than bad. That's why I'm here today. But I've also made a lot of errors. And I look back at them, some of them I chuckle, some of them I go, wow, that was a really dumb mistake. But you know what? It makes me who I am. And to be honest, I really don't regret any of them. I really don't. I mean, I, I can say right now, I had a failed marriage. Do I, do I regret that? No, I don't, because I wouldn't have learned what I've learned. Okay. I may not have been the right person for my fiance had I not gone through that first marriage. I may not have been the right person for her kids. You know, so I I think it's it's being able to live with your eyes wide open. Don't be someone else, be you, um, and be genuine. And and like you said, Jenny, I mean, have fun. This whole life thing, it's like it's humorous. You gotta life it. Weird shit happens all the time. I look at some of this stuff and I'm like, this is just bizarre. And then I look at some of these successes, I'm like, I don't know how I got this. I don't know how I got to this place, but you know what? This is kind of cool. So it's just have a blast, keep a good sense of humor, laugh at yourself, and never, ever, ever, ever take yourself too seriously. I could not agree more. That is the perfect way to wrap things up. So I appreciate it. I appreciate all your wisdom. I will put all of the links so people can find you, find your stuff, find your training, find your, uh, Is it, are you calling it a conference? It's a, it's called the Core Mastery Summit, the Aesthetic Summit. of Entrepreneurship. So it's a summit. Perfect. A summit. So I will put all that information links in the show notes. And I just appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Pleasure. My pleasure. I'm honored. Oh my gosh. Isn't Dr. Buford just a delight? I knew that having him on was going to be a really great conversation just because of wanting to stay connected with him. I always knew that he had that, you know, kindness at his center, but I really appreciate so many synchronicities and how so much of his content and the things that I talk about are aligned. Isn't it amazing when things work out even better than you hoped for or even better than you planned? I loved his inspiring stories about falling forward or failing forward, excuse me, and not just in his professional life, but also personally. And I love hearing from male voices. I think we need more of this where Females and males alike are opening up and being vulnerable and authentic and sharing our stories, sharing our struggles so that we can learn from them. Because at Drinking With Jen, that's what we're all about here is learning and growing. And so, Jem, until next time, shine bright and let's get growing. <laughs>